Jim, thank you for your warm uh, welcome and invitation. And Dora Lee, thank you for your welcoming words. And um, I think I have to click got it. Otherwise, this box stays on top of you all. It's, it's wonderful to see all of your faces. And they're kind of tiny. But <laughs> it's great to see them there. Uh, I haven't really gotten used to the Zoom thing, even though we've been in it for quite a while. So it's nice to hear you'll be able to go back in person next week. Um, all of the things that Jim mentioned, it's, it's so I did live a long time at San Francisco Zen Center. And I spent, I think, about a total of a year and a half in Japan. And you can't put it in the bank. You know, it's like um, exercise or something like that. Um, if you don't keep doing it, it doesn't mean a whole lot. So it, in some way, it informs one's life, but it's not something substantial, something that one can hold on to. And that's actually kind of a big a big um, point for me because my life now is very different, not living in a monastic situation. Um, I came back from Japan in the summer of 2018 and stayed a short while with my mother. Short while turned into a very long time. I'm still here. It was clear that um, it would be desirable for one of us to be here taking care of her. And so that's what I'm doing now. And um, I work in the yard. I read a great deal. I follow politics very closely. Um, it, it's a very different life from the life in the monastery. And yet I have to still say I still feel like a priest, even though I don't know. I ask myself, what does that really mean? Or what does it mean to be a Buddhist practitioner to sow a Rakasu or sow an Okesa? And some of the thoughts I just wanted to share with you, I think there is, it's about um, being part of a tribe, you know, a club, you know, recognizing each other. There's another part of it, I think, that has to do with dignity, a desire to say, I'm a dignified person. I want to live in a dignified way. These people look dignified to me in their robes. These rakasus, the way people wear their rakasu, holding their hands in shashu underneath, it looks very dignified. I want to be a dignified person. I am a dignified person. And I want the dignity to show. I think there's some feeling of that. It, it seems that way to me. I don't know whether or not that resonates with you. So here in my mother's house, I still get up every morning and put on my robes to sit zazen. And for a long time, that was basically all I did. And then I decided... I think I'm going to forget how to do prostrations if I'm not doing some. So I started doing three prostrations every morning. And then I thought, no, I'm going to do nine prostrations. And I started doing nine prostrations. And then I thought, yeah, but I don't like counting them. So then I started doing uh, the first three. I would do our chant 
uh, our confessional chant, all my ancient twisted karma or all my ancient evil karma. The, the word is actually more accurately translated Later is evil. So that's the first three vows. And then the next three, I take refuge in Buddha. I take refuge in Dharma. I take refuge in Sangha. I take refuge in Buddha as the perfect teacher. I take refuge in Dharma as the perfect life. I take refuge in Sangha. I'm sorry, I take refuge in Dharma as the perfect teaching. I take refuge in Sangha as the perfect life. Now I have completely taken refuge in Buddha. Now I have completely taken refuge in Sangha. Now I have completely taken refuge in Dharma. So I say those kind of fast to myself. There's just three vows there with it, taking refuge. And then three times I recite our four vows. Beings are numberless. You know that, so I'm not going to recite the whole thing now. So this, um, this is not something I force myself to do. It's, we shouldn't just say there aren't some days where I have to say, yeah, go ahead and do it. But it's something that I'm thirsty for, that I thirst for. These words have meaning to me. The confessional chant is even more meaningful to me now than it ever has been in the past. Because in this time, since I've returned from Japan, I found myself intellectually very thirsty, very thirsty. And I found, as I think about it, that in the time I was in the monastery, in particular in the United States or in the, not exactly monastery, Green Gulch is not a monastery, it's a Buddhist community. But living in a Buddhist community, I tried very hard to, um, hold the Buddhist teachings in a certain way that where I would try to cement them into my mind and make them true. I try to do that. Believe them exactly as they were written. No more. No more. I'm very much a person of the 21st century. I want to know what's going on in our world. I want to know the history of our world. I want to know the problems of our world. I want to know about other countries. I want to know where people are starving. I want to know if there's something I can do with regard to climate change. And of course, at the same time, it's all too much. It's an endless assault of information and it can become very addictive. So how to practice with all of that? Still within all of that, I still feel like a Zen priest. I still find that the Buddhist teachings have meaning for me and that holding them close makes a difference. When I say hold them close, I don't mean possess them. I just mean be close to this. There's an old um, legend that you may have heard about 
Gil Fronsdale tells it in one of his books about a queen who um, was having a very hard time with the rough and rocky ground, all of the stones and pebbles. And she asked one of her ministers to cover the earth with leather so that she would not hurt herself walking on it. And the minister very wisely came back and said, Your Majesty, I will make you sandals. You can cover your feet with leather to protect your feet from the ground. And that way we don't have to cover the whole earth with leather and you will still be protected. So this is a kind of analogy for our practice. How do we um, protect ourselves? How do we live a life of some sense of protection? Some sense of not being caught by the rockiness of the ground. Not constantly stumbling over the stones. If you're like me, maybe you spend actually quite a lot of time stumbling over the stones, getting caught up and outraged about things that you can't do anything about. How do we return to the focus of practice? One of the ways I do that is by reading sutras or reading Dogen fascicles. And I've had that practice for actually a very long time. I even did it at the monastery. It was, it's something that I like to do. I find that kind of reading makes a difference to me. It colors my day or perfumes my life. I have to confess in the last year, there are times, some days where I felt, no, no, I want to, I want to read this other book that I'm reading that I'm really, really interested in. That's a really good book. I want to continue reading Sapiens, History of, of Our Species, or I want to continue reading something else. So I might do that for a few days, but then I find I need to go back to the Buddhist teachings. The one I've been looking at recently is a fascicle by Ehe Dogen that's called Mitsugo. Mitsugo. In Nichijima and Cross, I think it's fascicle number 51. And in uh, Kastanahashi's translation, translation, it's fascicle 52. And uh, Mitsugo is translated by Nichijima and Cross as secret talk, secret talk. Um, one of the things I learned from Tenshin Rev Anderson, and it, by the way, I'll mention Jim was very modest when he said we were both lay people when we were practicing together at Gringolch. That's true, but he wished you so. 
And I think I was maybe in my second goal or something like that. So there was a difference. But in any case, one of the things I, I learned from Kenshin M. Anderson is that looking at more than one translation is really worthwhile practice. That's what we would do. And I've, I've found it to be uh, valuable. So Nichishima and Cross trans, translate Mitsugo as secret talk. But um, Kaz translates it as uh, intimate language, intimate language. So these two translations have a slightly different feeling to it. And each one of them, it's, it's kind of like you can get deeper and deeper into it by, by reading both of them. And another difference is uh, Kaz uses, I believe, the, the uh, Chinese names of the ancestors and Nichishima Cross uses the Japanese names. In this fascicle, Dogen tells the story of um, Dogen Zenji. I, you know, I, another aside, um, when I was in Japan, uh, Dojo Roshi, Seido Suzuki, the leader of the, the abbot of the monastery and the leader of the Ongos, um, always referred to Eihei Dogen Zenji, Dogen Zenji. And in fact, when we would read something in English where it just said Dogen, he would always want us to insert Zenji, Dogen Zenji. He would say, the person who translated this wasn't a priest. <laughs> they, they don't know. So in English, we tend to just say Dogen, but I picked that up from him to say Dogen Zenji. In any case, in this fascicle secret talk, uh, Dogen Zenji talks about um, a, a kind of koan where Yunju or Ungo, our ancestor Ungozan, um, uh, who's the abbot of a monastery, uh, a minister visits him and brings an offering. And then the minister says to him something like, um, the Buddha, it said that, that, that Shakyamuni Buddha had secret talk. Mahakashapa did not conceal it. What is Shakyamuni Buddha's secret talk? And um, Ungo said, Minister. And minister said yes. And Ungo-san uh, said, uh, do you understand? And the minister said, no. No, I don't understand. And Ungo said, if you don't understand, that's Buddha's secret talk. If you understand, that's Mahakashapa's nothing. Nothing is hidden. Nothing is concealed. Okay. So you all got it, right? Easy, right? Okay. So he explains. He explains. He says, you know. I won't tell you what he says before he gives this explanation, but he gives this explanation. 
he said, people say, you know, that the Buddha held up a flower and Mahakashapa smiled. So the Buddha holding up a flower, that's secret talk. It's something that couldn't be conveyed in words. And so he held up the flower. And Mahakashapa smiled because Mahakashapa understood. For Mahakashapa, nothing is, is concealed. And this is the Dharma that's been tr- transmitted, you know, through the generations, person to person. Well, prefacing this, he says, stupid people say. That's one translation. I don't think cause doesn't put it quite that, <laughs> quite like that, stupid people say, but maybe ignorant people say, or people who don't know say. Uh, and afterwards, um, Dogen Zendri says, people who think of it this way and follow this way are as many as, you know, all the weeds, all of the bamboos, all of the reeds, and they fill all of the provinces of China. You know, this is a complete waste of time. Don't follow this. So what do we follow? What is secret talk? What is nothing is concealed. Dogen Zenji kindly says, don't think you understand right away. Don't try to understand in a hurry. I wonder if any of you go to the San Francisco Zen Center website and listen to um, Suzuki Roshi's Dharma Talks. I used to do that all the time, and I'd put up one page where I could listen to him, and I'd put up another page and read it. I really recommend that. His, all of Suzuki Roshi's Dharma Talks are on the San Francisco Zen Center website. And there's one where he 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 starts it by saying, I'm going to give you tonight, I'm going to give you my most valuable teaching. And then he says, but I hope you don't understand it. And then he starts laughing and he says, I don't want to tell you this teaching unless you pay me a million dollars, but I have nothing to talk about. So I'm going to give you this secret teaching, you know? So I think this, For me, this fascicle really resonates with that talk by Suzuki Roshi, you know. Ehi Dogen Zenji says, don't think you understand it so quickly, this secret talk. You know, nothing is concealed. He says, work on it little by little, as if you're trying to cut through something very hard. You're trying to cut through something very hard. That's the way to work on it. He says many other things in there, too.
one thing he talks about is secret talk as the immediacy, the immediacy of right now, without any gap, without any gap. Dogen Zenji tells us that reality, reality is always talking secret talk. He says all Buddhas have secret talk. Everywhere there's a Buddha, there's a Mahakashava through whom nothing is concealed. He says with reference to that story of the Buddha holding up a flower, if the Buddha was so fond of, if this was his expression of secret talk, to hold up a flower and smile, and words were too coarse for him, why didn't he just keep picking up flowers and holding them up? Why did he use words? Why did he tell why did he tell the the group on Vulture Peak? I have the marvelous mind of nirvana. I have the Dharma eye treasury and the pure mind of nirvana. I transmit these to Mahakashapa. Was that coarse speech? Was that not secret talk? They say when when Kashapa smiled, that was Kasyapa's nothing is revealed. But when Shakyamuni Buddha held up the flower and blinked, that was his secret talk. But Mahashashapa, when he smiled, it's not his secret talk. No. That should be secret talk too. He said, don't, don't think that anyone can see secret talk. But don't think that there are the initiated and the uninitiated. When he says, don't think just anyone can see secret talk, that too reminds me of Suzuki Roshi in Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, where he says, you may say everything is Zen, Everything is Zen, so I don't have to worry so much about Zazen because everything is Zen. He said, well, you know, it's true. Everything is Zen. But if that's so, there's no need for you to say so. You're making an excuse. You know? So we have this great koan, something not to understand too quickly. This secret talk. The Buddha starts talking secret talk. The Buddhas conceal nothing. They study 
secret talk. Learning in practice. What is learning in practice? Learning in practice is the study of secret talk. I hope you don't think I know what secret talk is. But I vow to study secret talk. To hold my life close to this question of secret talk. Nothing concealed. Will you walk that path with me? I hope so. I don't know if I spoke long enough for you or if you have some questions or comments. If you don't, we could look at the fascicle or Jim. It's hard to and hard to hard to respond uh, quickly. <laughs> um, with the, they need a few clicks before I do so. And now I switched it. Oh, there you are. I switched it back to gallery view so I could see everybody. <laughs> um, well, I since you gave me um, a clue uh, this uh, this morning about your subject, I uh, I read that fascicle which I realized I think I had read before. I thought I hadn't, but it looked familiar. And I read uh, Causes translation rather mm -hmm. than uh, uh, Nijima and Cross. And um, when uh, Yunju um, uh, uh, let's see, how does it go? The, um, when the, um, the minister, what does the minister ask? The, 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 the minister asked, what uh, is secret talk? Yeah, what is the Buddha's secret talk? Yeah, okay. So when, when, the, when, when the minister asked, what is the Buddha's secret talk? And uh, your, your translation said uh, that uh, Yunju said, um, minister. But in Kaz's translation, he, he, uh, he says, your excellency, he may have said your excellency too you know, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing so i may have gotten it wrong well that's yeah. causes translation in any case yeah um and, and then he said do you understand um yeah. anyway i thought that was um um quite sweet that 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 way of translating it um was quite Revealing, and um, and what uh, you know, supportive um, or uh, affirming or something like that, and uh, it, that that uh, uh, appealed to me 
quite a bit. So thank you so much. Uh, I, I, I loved you bringing up this, um, this um, wonderful case. Thank you for your comment. Barry has his hand up. Hi. Um, thank you for the talk. And as sometimes happened, um, the talk happened to be just about stuff I was thinking about today. So it's really interesting how that worked out. Um, but um, I'm curious about your time in Japan. Um, after uh, practicing at uh, Green Gulch in Tassajara, I'm curious, was there anything that you found intriguing or surprising or different about the practice in Japan that um, you hadn't experienced in America or vice versa? It was it was definitely different than what I experienced in America in many ways. Many ways were the same, but there were a lot of differences. And I mean, that was why I went there. I'd always felt that there was something about Japanese monks that I felt some kind of resonance with in their deportment. Mm -hmm. And that was what drew me to practicing in Japan. So um, it's a different culture. And practicing at the monastery I was at was very permeated with Japanese culture. And um, very ceremonial life. If you think Green Gulch or Tassajara have a lot of ceremonies, forget it. <laughs> Toshoji leaves them in the dust. <laughs> it's a life of ceremony. Um, from the minute you rise, I, I mean, um, there's a job. I'm trying to remember what the name of the position is. Anyway, I had this job quite a bit um, where during the second period of Zazen, you prepare the altars for um, for morning service. And this involved um, going to many altars, many altars. You go to the um, Shido, which is behind the main altar, and then to the Kaisando behind that. And there'd be many little offering cups of water. And you take a little bucket, this little plastic bucket that had a bear on it, a little, like a little kid's um, bucket for the beach. And the little bear was like, you know, Shakyamuni pointing to the ground, <laughs> you know. The bear was like just mirrored Shakyamuni Buddha, except for rather than having the other hand was like, I guess it would be like this. One hand was on the heart, this little bear. It was, I think the bucket was green and then the, the colors were like pink and yellow. And then you carry like a one liter empty bucket, an empty bottle or a full bottle, full bottle of water. You take a full bottle of water. It wasn't, you know, you, water you just pour from one of the sinks, There's a lot of sinks ringing the temple fill it up with water and then the main altar you have to climb up climb up there's a huge buddha there old buddha but up at the very top there's a little tiny statue of shakyamuni buddha that the one that's used for buddha's birthday 
and a little offering cup of water there. So you pour that water into the bucket and then you, this one liter bottle, you pour more water into that offering. So you do that, you go around to all of the altars, many, many altars with these cups, many with two, two cups, many candles, you light candles, many sticks of incense. And you do that every day. And, you know, when the weather is nice, it's a really nice job. When it's below freezing, <laughs> it's another story. You know, that's a little hard. I found it hard. There's, there's many differences. That's just one, one small example of a difference. Thank you. Is that position called Cheatin? Cheatin, maybe? Chiden, I think you're right. It would be cheating. Yeah. You're right. It's funny how that word did not come to me, but you're right. It's cheating. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Barry. Kenny. Um, yeah, hi. Hi. I was in Japan a while ago. There was a monastery in Okayama called like Sogenji, maybe. I'm not sure what the name of it was, but I called him up to see if I could stay there. And he said, this is a really hard, hard training. You should go to another place. And <laughs> I don't know if it is still Monastery there. I was at was in Yokohama Prefecture. Is that where you were? And I went to I'm Obama. Sorry, Okayama. Yeah. Okayama. Okayama. But Okayama I don't remember the name exactly. I just thought in case you'd heard of it, but I could be wrong about what it was called. But the, the temple I was at is called um, Toshoji. Toshoji. Toshoji Senmon Soto. It's an international training monastery. And I was very concerned about it being too hard for me. And uh, Gail and Godwin taught me how to put on robes. And I didn't have the hat, but she showed me how to tie up my robes the traditional way. You have these white arm coverings and white leg coverings. And, and I was there outside the monastery hitting the Han three times they were supposed to do to enter. And I was like, I was standing there thinking like, why did you think this would be a good idea? You know, this has like nothing to do with who you are or what you are, or this just seems really weird. And then this, this nun came out and she smiled at me and she bowed to me. And I knew why I had come like that. I just knew immediately why I had come. I had come for that smile and that bow and that intimacy. And it was, was uh, go ahead. No, I'm, I didn't go through any of that. It was much easier for me. <laughs> I didn't go to a hard place. Um, <laughs> But I was going to ask about your question that we're reading Dogen, and he mentions the trees, grass, and walls, or what I can inanimate objects preaching, or that's how I interpret it all the time. And so I was thinking that what is the secret talk? Well, can I hear these trees, grass, and walls talking or preaching? And then there's some other koans I've heard that involve like somebody calling someone's name and then they just say, what? And 
there's some, I don't remember what it is, but there's a key to your, perhaps to what you're saying <laughs> in some of those koans. And um, that's, I, uh, one more thing was like a lot of, then I think in martial arts, sometimes there will be secrets that the master will know and you have to pay them to get the secret technique. So here, this minister, he might've said, Hey, I just gave you a bunch of money. Can you give me the secrets of, Buddhism now, so that's all. I guess I, I guess I, I, I think the minister may have been. I, I don't, I don't know. We never know what, what's in people's minds, but my assumption was that he was sincere. That his question was sincere, and as Jim points out. The answer is sweet. Do you understand? Do you and actually, I think cause says, "Do you understand it? Do you understand it?" You know. Yeah. I see Larry has his hand up. I think. Um... Doralee and Oscar had their hands up before me, so I will. Oh, I didn't see the other hands. Sorry. Yeah. Doralee, hi. Thank you. Hello. Yeah. Wonderful Uh, to see you. Yeah. Yes, it's good to see you too. There was just something in your talk that opened something more deeply in me. There's something about asking the question, not looking for the answer. And almost as if that's the life or something uh, is asking without seeking. And it's an incredibly, um, I don't know, it's just an incredible grounded vastness that opens up for me. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Kathy, um, for your secret talk. Um, I was uh, very interested in in your um, your uh, the position you're in, living um, out of the monastery, uh, but maintaining a strong practice with your bowing practice, your zazen, your studying sutras, uh, but also intellectually thirsty and um, staying up with affairs of the world and uh, which can be um, frustrating and I think you said uh, can be addictive and trying to balance those two. What can you do about starving? Where are the people starving? What can you do about climate change? What is secret talk? Um, so I, I also, I resonate with being, um, with being in, in, uh, in that place of trying to find the harmony between those two ways of looking at the world. Um, and I was 
and I was struck by your observation that um, that you try to remain close to it. And I wonder if you could say a little bit more about what you mean by staying close to it. Uh, how you experience that, what, uh, and what that might have to do with secret talk. And and I'd also like to thank Dora Lee for her observation, because uh, I also think um, that somehow your talk. Well, I guess you're channeling Dogen. Don't 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 be in a hurry to understand work as if you're cutting through something really hard. And um, I'm always trying to get to the other side, <laughs> to have cut through and be done with it. So, um, so I appreciate your reminder about the value of staying with the question, Dorley. Thank you. Thank you for your question. Oscar and your comments. Um, I don't uh, use the word you describe my practice as strong. Um, maybe you didn't say it was my practice, but you said strong practice, whatever. I, I just want to say for me, it's um, <laughs> what can I say? It's it's like trying to stay afloat in the ocean. <laughs> It's really, it's really like, you know, or being lost in the ocean and just not, you know, on the verge of drowning, you know, and just continuing, you know. Even though I say that, I don't, in some sense, I don't mean it. But in particular, you talked about trying to harmonize these two different things of, you know, Buddhist practice on the one side and world on the other side. Um, I think I've dropped that. I think so. I try to drop it. It's just what's happening now. It, it's the Buddhist practice informs my life. And and what I mean by that is it comes up and tells me when I'm off. It's like if there's unkind thinking going on, comes up, it's like, whoa. If there's not allowing for another person's weaknesses, comes up if it's looking at politics almost like gossip and noticing there's some wish to see someone take a fall whoa whoa and that's what staying close to it is for me, and it, it's reading the words, like 
you know, this, this, this fascicle needs to go. Some of you may not be that into reading fascicles. If you're not, that's fine. I remember once I said that to, to Reb that I really wasn't into studying um, Buddha sutras or something. And he said to me, he said, yeah, yeah, you should study the, the beach and the mountains and the gardens. You should study that, you know? So that's another way of studying. But Mitsugo's secret talk, when I came back to this, I did kind of force myself to, you know, I recently read uh, Yuval Nora Harari's Sapiens. If you like reading history, it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible book. But anyway, it was kind of hard to put down. So I kind of forced myself to go back to Dogen. And when I do that, sometimes because my mind gets so churned up with things, it's like I'm reading it, but I'm not reading it. I can't take in what's on the page. And so I just want to suggest if you if you really dislike reading sutras, just consider that that might be part of it. Not to say it absolutely is, because it might be. It's better to go outside and, you know, study the mountains and the rivers. But sometimes I have to read something over and over and over again. Just keep going back over, like trying to sew through something really hard. And please don't think I have the answers. Thank you so much, Kathy. I, You're welcome, Oscar. We're, we're reading... Uh, a fascicle now in a reading group and it is quite wonderful and it's it's wonderful to be reading it with others also but just which to, one is it oh uji uh, uji uji yeah and, <gasps> and the um the explication by uh, uh shinsu roberts um and we're reading it slowly, and I'm really glad we're reading it slowly because the words make perfect sense, you know, once once you get the hang of what Dogen is saying. But to integrate it uh, takes, takes more time. Um, so, um, so thank you, Jim, for leading that group. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Oscar. Thank you for being here. Now we're patiently waiting your turn. Thank you Thank for pointing that out to me. Oh, that's okay. Um, Oscar, I'm glad you find the words uh, make sense. I'm, I'm not quite there <laughs> on Uji, but, uh, you know, I... I um, as Oscar mentioned to you, Kathy, I appreciate your admonition of, uh, you know, don't think you know what it is. Um, and so I, um, my comment is, is another question, <laughs> not an answer. I, I, I talked to a teacher about um, what I was interested in, which was sound and practice. 
And so uh, he, he gave me a koan to work on, which is, uh, who is it who hears the sound? And just like there are two sides to everything, nothing exists without its, you know, its opposite. Uh, I, I, I can't help but thinking, what is the secret talk? May have something to do with who is it who hears, but I don't know. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. I think I'm next. Um, I'm double dipping, excuse me, but I didn't see any more hands. So um, I just wanted to relate an experience that happened today that was quite a rather remarkable in a, in a sort of weird way. I was, I belonged to a swim club and I was there and I, I had decided to have a lunch there and I was eating my lunch and this fellow started talking to me and uh, he, uh, the, I had my mask off, of course, I set aside, uh, and he didn't have a mask on, which you're supposed to have, a, a, you know, in the, in the club. Um, and uh, he started talking to me along the lines of um, um, the reason that we, <laughs> this is a little shocking, so I'm just, you know, this is going to be a shocking story, so Please be prepared for this shocking story. Uh, he started talking to me uh, along the lines of the reason that we have masking requirements in California is because our state is run by women. <laughs> this was this was hard to believe that somebody would say this, uh, and then he and then he and then he said the opposite that the reason that uh, other states like Texas and Florida didn't have masking requirements uh, was because they were run by, you know, men, real men kind of was the feeling. So this is quite, um, you know, as you say, shocking kind of um, uh, opinion to hear. And um, in that's kind those kinds of situations though, uh, what is what is really the challenge, and, and I think for for a person that practices, to you know to say, this is how my life is being being presented to me right now, you know this is this is how my life is being presented to me, um, and uh, you know this this is this is the experience I'm having I'm having, <laughs> and and it's a, you know acknowledging that you know. Um, but I, I, you know, so, so, so that, that's a, you know, having that kind of interaction is, is kind of, you know, helpful to see, you know, well, how in the world do I deal with this kind of talk? You know, uh, how do I, how do I, how do I meet this person? Uh, and yet um, I do not support, you know, the views um but not reject that person and, you know, be angry with them or uh, call them a name or, or something like that. And uh, so anyway, if we get thrown into 
you know, a kind of dark place. Um, remembering the teaching you've offered tonight could be really, really helpful, you know. Thank you, Jim. I, I, uh, I resonate with the difficulty of the situation, you know. Um, and I feel like in those situations, for me, what I'm coming up against is attachment to views, my attachment to views. So this happens in political discourse a lot. Um, and I'm, so, so your insight that, that this is your life being presented to you sounds exactly right, you know? And each person is entitled to their view that's informed by something. And that view is a really traditional view that has been around for thousands of years. I don't think that's such an unusual view except for the fact that maybe in particular that it's in Marin County. <laughs> you know, I think there are areas in the United States where that kind of view is still quite acceptable. And so um, I'm trying to study this point more and more. And um, I think it, I think I'll keep, your response, your internal response of this is how my life is being presented to me in mind. I think I'll keep that in mind. You know, neighbors who lived across the street just moved away. Um, they moved into a retirement community. Uh, the husband is 94 and the wife I think she's quite a bit younger, so she might be maybe 85 or 86. I don't know. But anyway, the husband one time, he, he used to like to stick newspapers, the local, you know, free paper under my windshield wiper of the car, you know, kind of nice neighborly thing. And, and, um, but I saw him, I was out working in the yard one day and he came by and he said, climate change, huh? It sells newspapers. And I just smiled at him. You know? I had to look at my own attachment to my views, you know? Maybe one of the biggest problems we have right now is not being able to hear each other. And you know, we can't hear each other. So... 
I'm trying to let my combative side soften. Well, like you, I, I, um, I didn't, I didn't uh, know what the right words were, you know, to, to, I mean, it almost seemed like um, there are no, <laughs> there are no words, sir. <laughs> I could have said that. I, I have no words to, uh, to respond to you. I'm sorry. Uh, I apologize for my, um, my, my, my cognitive apparatus has been stunned into silence. <laughs> One could try. Tell me more. Tell oh, me no. More. I didn't want to do that. No, tell me more. I, I, not with that particular person. I thought, I thought no. Have I, you considered? <laughs> have you considered? I, I, I think he could tell that, that his, 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 his appeal was not falling on. I mean, I really did not. I, I was feeling good. I was having my lunch. I just had a nice swim. I was feeling perfectly peaceful. I didn't, I didn't have a, you know, an angry reaction or anything, but it's just, I, I was just, just sort of in a stunned state of <laughs> state of being. I could easily imagine myself getting into a, a an argument in such a situation. I couldn't and I'm, really go there. I'm working on that aspect of my personality because I don't think it's so helpful, really. But it's kind of ingrained. Right. Maybe there's a place for that too, though for having an argument. Yeah, I think there's, that's, that's, also, that's also a way your life could ex express itself, no doubt. At Toshoji, some of the young monks have a very different understanding of the role of women than what we have in the United States. And, um, Esho-san, the senior monk, the one who came out and bowed to me when I first arrived at the monastery, I was once commenting on it to her. I said, it's so interesting the way these young men feel that they can treat women. And she said, do you think so? I find it boring. Or I find it tiresome, something to that effect. Mm -hmm. I find it tedious. Yeah. Karen. Thank you, Jim. No, I also wanted to thank you for your talk. Um, I was particularly interested in this topic, maybe because, um, and I would like to read the fascicles, the fascicle that you have mentioned, but the um, second part of my Buddhist name, my Buddhist name is uh, Unjo Shingaku, and the second part at least I was told, um, means intimate speaking the truth. And mm. um, so anyway, this uh, I'm happy to, I mean, your talk was helping me to 
realize, well, there's, it doesn't mean I also, I always have to speak the truth. I mean, if I don't, I mean, there's a way to be with the truth um, without speaking. And, and I find that kind of comforting, actually. I think it depends what you call talk. I think maybe by Ehi Dogen Zenji's, uh, in his view, not speaking can be a kind of secret talk, you know, secret words, intimate words, intimate talk. Yeah, it's just a different way of, of approaching that, well, that language, I guess. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, one more thing I wanted to share about you mentioned finding it difficult. There's a saying in Japanese, I think that it's something like um, gambate. I'm not sure that I've got it exactly right. But anyway, it, there's like when you're leaving the office or something at night and somebody else has to stay really late, you say this words to them. It means like work really hard. You know, give it everything you've got. And a priest at the monastery who was teaching us drew the characters for it. And then he drew two other characters that had the same pronunciation. And the one side means work very hard. And the other side means live by vow. And he's saying, you know, work very hard, you can burn yourself out. Live by vow, you don't get burned out. So you just keep working on this thing, like cutting through something very hard over time. Yeah, well, the word persistence comes up for me <laughs> with what you've yes. been saying too, persistence, uh, and what, what, what others have been saying too. But carry on, keep, keep remembering. Loyal, maybe. Loyal to it. Maybe it's a good time to end. Yeah.